0: Chapter Review show. It's a chapter Review show. Chapter preview show. It's a chapter Review
1: show. Join us as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on.
2: Welcome. Got Jerry Cortez from the Dark Discussions and Legion Network. How are you, sir? Greetings and salutations, my friend. Yes, I'm doing <laughs>
3: very good. How you doing, brother?
2: I am not bad at all. We've been having a hell of a time each time, just recording.
3: <laughs> awesome.
2: Um, so, what was your introduction to the MST3K, Cinematic Titanic, Rift Tracks Collective?
3: uh let's see i went to college my wife and i actually both went to college in pittsburgh in the mid 90s um so i definitely i I was a little late to the to the party um I pretty much missed out as far as first airings I probably missed out on all of the Joel years and it was right around when the movie was released that a friend of mine a mutual friend of my wife and I introduced us to the movie MST3K the movie Perfect. uh and we basically <laughs> left his house with stomach aches from just laughing so hard our our faces were a mess from just uh, you know laughing tears it was just amazing and uh, <laughs> It's literally one of my favorite moments in uh, you know, in my life, honestly, because it, it's one of it was one of our best friends from college, um, you know, my girlfriend at the time who would later become my wife. And yeah, just I, I don't I literally don't remember laughing so hard at any point in my life. And then from there, yeah, we uh, luckily, the show was still on. I'd say it was 95 or 96 at this point. So we still had a good three or four seasons of the original show. And we watched those final seasons uh, first run uh, recorded every episode on VHS. I had a box of MSCs. Oh yeah. Um, Tried to make a point of, you know, eventually getting all, you know, 190, whatever original episodes. But once the, uh, you know, Once video sharing and all that kind of took over uh, in the late 90s on the internet, yeah, we just relied on YouTube. And uh, yeah, recently we, uh, well, maybe not recently, but in the last year or two, we finished another run of the series, all 200 and whatever episodes, including (laughs) the new season. So yeah. Good times. And then as far as everything else, I mean, yeah, obviously Riff Tracks branched off from the MSC and pretty much any time somebody would have a new riffing venture. Yeah, the the wife and I would be on top of it. Cinematic Titanic, um, what do you call it? The film crew, all of it. Yeah, just as soon as that stuff was available, we devoured it and enjoyed all of it. Were you already a fan of other people who predated it, like uh, Joe Bob
2: or Elvira or (laughs) Svengulli?
1: Absolutely,
3: yeah. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't get Svengulli growing up in Connecticut. We got Elvira, obviously, nationally. We got Joe Bob, uh, obviously, on Monster Vision. But yeah, big fan, just because at the time, too, obviously, before the internet and everything and easy access to movies – you know, uh, you're relying on television for your horror fix. So, yeah, Friday or Saturday nights, whatever horror host was available, I was there. And just plus, they were kind of a movie
2: trivia, you know, machine all in their own rights. You know, they'd tell you a little about this before they, you know, got to...
3: Absolutely. Joe Bob has probably taught me more about 80s cinema than the internet has at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
2: I grew up in the time of Geocities and everything, but, yeah, it's like I... It's kind of the same way. I had two different uncles and uh, parents who had videotaped it, but it was also kind of funny how, like you say, is like it took a while for anyone to kind of keep up with it, but you just couldn't help but kind of notice some kind of similar influence whenever you saw, uh, you know, cartoon shows would sneak in a mock silhouette shot or there'd be some other kind of zany humor. It's like, yeah, this this is nutty, and, and I mean you even saw it when you saw other similar shows like uh red dwarf and so forth. this is like yeah, the, yeah there's some nutty type stuff out there is like and i did see parts of svengoolie but the thing was i never saw like the complete opening credits and i just i didn't know what it was really i i just saw parts of it growing up and then it was like i've just kind of been been more religious watching him in general because he's always updating his old episodes with like new segments before he shows older segments so I mean yeah it's it really is kind of wild though too how you can always under you can actually understand them justifying the price on these various sets now because it's Mm -hmm. like yeah it's like this was a hell of a time getting through it all you're not going to watch it all in one scoop (laughs) and and Plus, sometimes they go to the effort sometimes of saying, hey, if you want to watch the movie uncut, <laughs> it's a special feature. <laughs> <The> <laughs>
0: that's
3: R-Gest. always appreciated. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah, God. man,
3: I, I have spent so much money. I mean, as I turn around and look at my mystery science theater and Rift tracks and I own pretty much every Rift track physical media that's out there, be it the shorts, um, the movies, um, I have almost every season of mst there are some that escaped me obviously the famous season 10 with godzilla versus megalon is still one that has escaped my grasp but for the most part you know if if it's if it's riffing if it's movie riffing with the mst guys and it's on physical media i have it. perfect (laughs) some of it wow i i I, i'm not ultra proud to say that i have played upwards of over 100 bucks for some of those box sets just because of how hard they were to get but you know what for me it's worth every penny
2: well and totally and i mean after a while i mean when we're doing podcasting it's the same thing where it's just like yeah okay I'm gonna spend this x amount on these kind of movies that are nowhere on any kind of movie site on any kind of you know <laughs> rental service is like yep i'm just gonna take the plunge and go on ebay and
3: <laughs> exactly <out. clears throat> exactly yeah I, uh, I actually recently picked up a multi-region Blu-ray player just so that I can kind of limit the stuff that I can't watch as a podcaster because on, on my main show, No More Room in Hell, we do a lot of more classic horror. You know, you're not really going to see reviews of like Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween on that show, yeah. but if you're looking for a review of Executive Koala, that is definitely the place to go.
2: I'm so. <laughs> uh, the same way. Uh, I mean, and I've even had to tell my viewers, it's like, don't ask me to get into a typical, you know, toxic fandom war. And it's like, I don't want to burn bridges with how everyone is about the comic books and Star Wars and Halloween. So, yeah, please give us something that's like, hey, remember there were these two uh, vampire cult films in the 90s or there were, you know, or this other film that no one else knew was a franchise that wasn't by full moon, but was on a bunch of video store shelves,
1: you know, just
0: there's <laughs>
2: gotta be some kind of cult franchise and to some of this whole cult franchise. Yeah. It is, it is kind of empowering. I was like, it's a movie trivia show. It's movie riffing show. It's a campy sci-fi horror show. And then it's also it, it pretty much. It's a film buff show in many ways. Cause this is like, man is like they're thinking everything i think when i see a awful blockbuster that
3: you know had no reason to be bad and
2: exactly must... i
3: i Sorry, one of the thing uh, one of the things i've always appreciated about mst is that they they're not always just making fun of the films like they genuinely no. like a lot of the films that they riff uh they talk all the time on like behind the scenes interviews how they'll they'll see movies that are just too bad even for MST. Like they they just can't make it funny because the movie is just so awful. Some people might say that a couple of those films actually did slip into uh, the uh, the seasons here and there, but I mean there really is love there with riffing you know you're not riffing stuff that you absolutely hate because that's not you know that's not fun ultimately so yeah the mm-hmm. fact that these guys do have a background in the golden age of hollywood and old classic sci-fi horror monster films just kind of adds to that appeal so yeah absolutely, they, they, we are their people definitely <laughs> totally totally uh
2: so we don't have to have any kind of top 10 list or anything uh what were some I'll start with the first, uh, you know, the one that started all. So what are some MST 3 k episodes that you find yourself, for better or worse, just kind of just replaying even more? Or you just recall even seeing more times than, you know, you wanted uh-huh. to? Because there would always be a time where it's like, hey, I can see they struggled with this, you know, taking on this episode. Or I've seen that movie way more times than I care to. But I can see why some find it funny because it's like they... It, it makes it okay to suffer with them because you're just like, yeah, someone <laughs> in Louisiana or Connecticut or Carolinas, you know, just decided, God. hey, you know, let's make a movie. I have no business making, and then <laughs> what you got is what uh, <laughs> made a lot of people guffaw at a drive-in opening night. So yeah, um, uh, it happens.
3: It happens. <laughs> But, I mean, yeah, as far as favorites go, I what's funny is I have done top ten lists in the past, both for Riff tracks and MST, just for, you know, uh, random conversations I've had with people. Because this is honestly the first time I've gotten a chance to talk MST on a podcast. So I, I am extremely excited oh, right oh, now. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Um, but our cool. favorites, I mean, I, I think my wife and I kind of have uh, common likes for our favorites. Obviously, I already mentioned the movie. Um, You know, Silent aside version, from the movie yeah. – obviously because of that experience and then i mean we've watched it umpteen times since then uh, i've owned it on every physical format it's been on vhs laser disc i have them, I, I
2: definitely have rented it at least three times yeah.
3: exactly um so i uh, you know obviously that's going to be probably an all-time favorite for us but as far as the weekly episodes i mean uh, like uh, we just watched the final sacrifice last night which <laughs> is an round. absolute favorite favorite episode for me actually my favorite mystery science theater song is from that episode um so yeah it, it, you mentioned
2: uh-huh. being the, this is the first time to really talk on here because this is actually kind of how i actually formed the podcast when it first started i was like who are some Mysties online in a group who like to talk about goofy movies online?
3: Uh, awesome yes yes absolutely
2: but, uh, i mean that that's just it because like those guys are generally kind of pretty cool like i think the fan base is pretty cool Yes, you're going to see some toxic guys, you know, shitting on I hate this host and all that. But it's pretty minor compared to say, you know, especially compared to Rick and Morty or Star Wars where people bitch for hours and you're like, are you guys still going?
3: (laughs) No, it's true. I mean, obviously, as a horror movie podcaster, you know, we deal with that constantly i do ha- i do have to agree with you though i think i think the mystery science theater community is one of the friendliest communities out there in fact i've never run into any kind of toxic fandom when that's dealing great. with with Mysties. you know I, I i'm in a couple of misty chats on um, facebook i've been part of groups before watch parties online watch parties oh, and nice. honestly i've i've yet to meet asshole number one so rock yeah, on at so Mysties. <laughs> I've encountered
2: a few that were kind of control freaks in certain groups, uh, as well as ones who were like, let's not make fun of this or that. I'm like, well, the person who posted this meme was making fun of another meme that was making, you know, <laughs> that Joel or Mike or Crow or Servo or Gypsy or Magic Voice, even, you know, just was mentioning. It's like, and occasionally I would see some of them be like, oh, I'm disappointed that they would make fun of this or that. I'm like, nothing is off limits. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely no. and, and like you say not there's plenty of times where it's like i mean i love how the first camera episode they go that movie wasn't half bad you know, it's <laughs> like, it's like they acknowledge that times when it's like they're not having a unpleasant time they're just you know would yeah. rather be doing something else in outer space but yeah um in character out of character and even when riff tracks has gotten a little over the top, it hasn't ever just been to the point where you're like, yeah, but they're just being dicks. And it's like, no, they're, they're just, you know, they're doing all kinds of humor and testing it out, you know, and whatever, often, whatever jokes make them laugh the most, they're going to put those in there. And I mean, it, it was definitely a lot of fun, especially when we get to those, how, I kind of had a few different deals with Lionsgate and Sony to license some of their better-known movies. So, <laughs> um,
3: yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I, even even when you speak to filmmakers who've had their stuff riffed by uh, Mystery Science Theater or riff tracks, it, it, it's always like a loving experience. No one ever walks away. No director has ever walked away angry that MST, you know, makes fun of their movie. Oh, really? I mean, they're uh, special, yeah, when you when you have the old box sets, the old DVD box sets, some of them will have behind-the-scenes interviews with, like, directors. Of, I did you, see some of those, but especially uh,
2: War of the uh-huh. House world and uh, such, but I, I know Saul Bass, I think, who did Squirm, wasn't too... Uh, oh, really? <laughs> he he, <laughs> well, he was even going to town, like, complaining on the IMDb message boards when that was a thing, but... um.
3: That's hysterical. He, I mean, he did make Squirm, though, so...
2: That's true. And I know Joe Don Baker was a rumor, but I don't think that was ever confirmed. I think it was just my freaking out because he happened to find a hotel and he's like, I think that's Joe Don Baker. Oh, shit. I better not (laughs) go near him.
3: Um, But yeah, like recently I I listened to an interview with the director of Hobgoblins and he loves their episode. I mean, he 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 tells people to watch it. He's constantly. Yeah. Check out the MST episode. It's amazing. So, yeah, some people love it. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah and even when he was mocked he's like i see why they did that i just thought it was a little too over the top but yeah see it see it and it is so wild how you <laughs> would have th- they've kind of tried to track down every kind of movie he's done i know they worked a lot they pretty much just licensed all of the movies made by the time chasers guy <laughs> yep <laughs> um i know graden clark kind of was spoken about in a book saying i would like to see some residuals from this once in a while but i think he's come around he's like yeah hey you know my movie from somewhere whether it's on antenna channels or that show so that's fine <laughs> hey
3: any exposures good exposure
2: oh yeah and i mean when they did the live final tour and they did the brain mm-hmm. which was a canadian shocker mixed in with an edited down version of death stalker two <laughs> of all movies is like okay, so jim winorski of all schlocksters is
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> opening up um and they would always joke a, i'd see him on facebook joke for the longest time we haven't been featured on there yet <laughs> <laughs> so it's like some of them are definitely good sports and then there are others who is like oh my goodness people just yeah take a chill pill you it's uh it's called you know comedy but um yeah, yeah so i uh the la- the final sacrifice i think that is definitely yeah one that got replayed a lot and people just ended up just finding the character who so, you know just very in- amusing it's just like yeah
3: they're kind of carrying the movie with their wackiness <laughs> Exactly. I mean, between the between the wacky hero, Zap Rosedauer, and the, the wacky villain, Sakaris, I mean, how can you not love this episode? It's goofy. I would imagine even the director of the film himself looks at it today and is like, yeah, it's kind of silly. <laughs> oh, and
2: it, it was even wackier how as some collectors of the show like to even track down all the movies that have been featured on there on cut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even do their own kind of um mocking b-movie show and it's like yeah it's like this is under a totally different title that has nothing to do with the movie and the actors on the poster aren't even in the actual movie (laughs) (laughs) um friends of the show uh come up with reviews you know always are doing a bunch of i talked about them on the horror returns, but yeah, they've done a bunch of different video store shelves stories. And I know they, at one point came across this and they're like, ah, we've seen this movie, but wait, we know it under the other title that's featured on MST. So yeah. Um, I think it is kind of wild how, for a movie that was handled with so much care is like the actors really wanted to carry it. And it just kind of falls into that is like the, act, the, the main lead is kind of annoying. And the other guy is just
3: <laughs> a drunk with a shotgun. So it's like, yeah, it's a pretty wacky mix. Um, <laughs> I mean, those people in that movie are barely actors though. A lot of them were literally just grabbed from the local community. It's yeah. the same story with like a troll too, where they're just hiring local people who just happen to be on the set that day.
0: Hey, can yeah. you act?
3: And I'm even
2: surprised when I looked at the trivia how there wasn't any, like, talk about, like, a French-Canadian director who didn't, you know, speak proper, you know, English or anything. It's like, yeah. Uh, and the main actor, I think his name is, coincidentally, Cameron somewhere, but I, I think he was, like, even in a – as a featured extra in, like, an episode of Panda Brothers, but that was as good – yeah as lucrative as he got. <laughs> <laughs> um a favorite of mine that I know many adore uh, is probably Pod People.
3: <laughs> that's the next one I would have brought up.
2: <laughs> uh, perfect to just bring on extra ET, you know, and just and I mean they couldn't even you know edit out any of the gore. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's that over the top of movie, but like that music he keeps playing, Mr. Trumpy, is
3: like yeah, it's like that's some weird wacky music. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's an odd little score in general. There's, like, equal parts <laughs> electronic music, but th- and then there's a Ringo Starr song for no reason.
2: <laughs> yeah. This is like, And, I mean, it's just... And, and uh, I know the guy who's, like, playing the sheriff is, like, uh, Frank Branagh, who was in a bunch of those spaghetti westerns. He's, like, one of the guys in the... One of the main saloon in the second part of the Man With No Name trilogy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, nice. he was... It was Italian made, but yeah, uh, I, th- I think it is even funnier how uh, this and a bunch of the other ones, it wasn't a Sandy Frank production, but it was like some other producer company and it's like they would use unrelated movies that the companies own to just make a totally confusing, you know, opening credits. It was like, why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> giving us opening credits from an entirely different movie. Good times. Uh-huh. Good times. Uh, conf- the more confusion, the more the merrier. Um,
3: uh, what's your take on uh, cave dwellers? Oh God, Ator! Come on. Yeah. Ator, the flying eagle. How the could you not love eagle. Ator? I mean, uh, how, how how much O'Keefe did they need for that episode?
0: <laughs> Miles. A lot. Oh God.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, another absolute favorite. I mean sword and sandal movies in general are fun Beastmaster type stuff so oh, you know and, absolutely
0: uh, oh god
3: i mean warrior the warriors of the lost world is another great one yes <laughs> you got feature himself from star
2: trek and uh, the Terminator exterminator <laughs> guy and they get it's like they didn't know what they just weren't finding his performance all that compelling because he's just a simple grunt in a lot of the movies he did and so it's just so funny you are like that paper chase guy
1: what happened the paper chase guy
2: <laughs> and for Mike Nelson to even make a cameo in there as like the uh, giant machine that lasts like two different scenes briefly is like as mega weapon. <laughs> <laughs> mega weapon. Uh, uh, so cool. But yeah, I mean, I think they were even cruel to the director a bit. They're like, David, worthless. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like that uh, you wanted to talk about no common sense. It's like uh, he gets beat up by a bunch of wrestler guys, savages who have nothing to do with the rest of the movie, and then he abandons her and then he comes back for her. I'm like, why did you abandon her? Like, yeah.
3: <laughs> Very <laughs> little of that movie makes sense. Oh goodness. A- including the title, for that matter.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Who's the warrior and Is It A Lost World? Yeah. It's <laughs> Oh man. Uh how much of uh, But yeah, I I do think a lot of the Hercules and post apocalyptic type movies got very underappreciated. I mean, definitely a lot of people saw them, but it's like most people would just kind of cling on to the, uh, you know, just a lot of the atypical ones, like uh, uh, Marooned, which was, you know, an award winning all star cast movie that many were just finding very dull. And it's just kind of funny because we kind of have that scenario now when we see something that wins all the awards and we're like i'd rather not see this <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. well what's your take on a uh, fugitive alien where you know they just much like that in time of the apes they had just like hey wow. sandy frank's gonna edit a bunch of japanese shows together and try and make it make coherent sense it's not going to it's going to feel like three episodes on one vhs tape you know
3: exactly man i i experienced way too much sandy frank when i was a kid way more than i really want to admit for some reason the local new york channel aired a lot of that sandy frank stuff and i obviously i didn't know the name at the time i was younger but it's like now it's like holy shit i remember watching all of this yeah oh man and i mean uh my
2: i had had you know Uh, family that wasn't surprised to see Gamera, you know, be really heavily featured on here, let alone, you know, the Godzillas, because those were antenna channel staples. You would turn it a certain way and you'd get some kind of
3: giant monster fighting or if it wasn't syndicated, you know, TV shows. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, a lot of royalty-free stuff or or stuff where licenses just kind of expired and no one cared about it. So yeah. Oh yeah, I know people who grew up on the Master, that Lee
2: Van Cleef show that was featured on here. <laughs> it was like, oh yes, <laughs> and it didn't matter if they thought it was good or not. They're just like, it's just you've never seen it. Lee Van Cleef as a samurai master, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, and. It is kind of funnier, though, too, because half the time you look at these movies and you're like, I secretly want someone to remake these on a bigger budget
3: (laughs) and see what they can do. (laughs) The (laughs) thing is, is that I wouldn't want them to remake these movies with the intention of trying to make them good, though. But at the same time, (laughs) if they purposely try to make it bad, then it just comes off as cheesy these a right. lot of these mst movies i mean they're time capsules they're 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 just the perfect movie for the, for when they were released to to make us as many of us laugh as possible i mean right. i i don't think you could redo pod people i mean you could but somebody would make the aliens look way too good god forbid there'd be cg in it right and it, it just wouldn't come off as unintentionally funny cuz that's the thing all these movies that uh, MSC and Riff Tracks goes after, we look at them as, oh, that's a bad movie. But they weren't – the filmmakers weren't trying to make a bad movie. It yeah. unintentionally became that. And you can't reproduce that. I mean look at some of the modern directors like like an Anthony uh, Iterante, the guy who does the Sharknado movies. It's like right. his last movie, Zombie Tidal Wave, was fucking awful. Because he tried to make something (laughs) funny. He tried to make a parody. And it's like, nah, dude, try to make a serious movie so that we can laugh at it. That's what we want. I think the biggest
2: issue is, like, to say (laughs) a lot of them are intentionally bad. And because they're really not good at most anything. And so it's just like, yeah, it's like you're wasting your time. And I I was kind of glad when Riff Tracks kind of stopped doing that after a while. They just like, okay, we'll do the first two Sharknados, and then we're not going to do any more of this silence i don't like thanks because this
3: was kind of (laughs) cheap yeah i mean it it is it's a it's an easy one for those guys it's almost too easy low-hanging fruit why bother Mm -hmm. like ultimately those movies are funny enough without riff tracks that's the thing i mean like i wouldn't want to watch a riff tracks of say blazing saddles because i want to fucking watch blazing saddles i don't want to hear those guys making fun of it Mm -hmm. but if you're talking about tommy Wizzo's the room yeah give me all the riffs (laughs)
2: <laughs> that was definitely one of my favorite live experiences. I'd already seen a yep. synced up version of the movie and to see them, they really did good at not only delivering the same jokes, but just as good. But then, you know, you're seeing because it's HD, you're seeing stuff that you never seen, you know, before. Uh-huh. And they added to it. They're like, Hmm, why, why would the most key moment be out of focus? <laughs> and, it's just like, and <laughs> it, it just reminded us when we read the book, you know, that, you know, the Mark Betrayer, Gre- uh Sotero, uh, is it? Um, I think so, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it was, it was like he talked about, it, it was like, that movie was $30 million and it looks like a, you know, cheapo, you know, skin flick that you'd see on Lifetime or Skinamax, yeah. you know, and it's <laughs> like, it's, and... The fact that it was promoted as a comedy just to even get more, you know, people to see it. And many comedians ended up guffawing about it and it became their Rocky horror in a way. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it like, but the live presentation was great because like they updated some even more jokes. Like it was before Weinstein, so they, that that was a missed opportunity. But they, you know, they were able to add, you know, mm-hmm. uh, some Fred Durst jokes some Bill
3: Cosby <laughs> jokes and just make fun of just again. Yeah. Tommy, you're really creepy. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they just did it recently with Hobgoblins. Obviously, they already have a riff of Hobgoblins available. They just did a new live uh, riff tracks recently, like l- literally last month, I think. I think and, so. And the new jokes oh, were spectacular. I At one point, I almost pissed myself. There was one – I can't remember what the joke was, but there was one new gag – uh, right around the middle of the movie that just, I, I lost it. I was, I was probably that obnoxious guy laughing way too loud in the movie. <laughs> I would be too. But, but yeah, was... that's another thing that me and the wife are very loyal to are the Rift Tracks uh live events. I think we've, we've been to everyone since Jack, uh, the giant slayer. That was oh, the first one. Perfect. We went to. So 2013, you've been going. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, that's about when I started,
2: I think. And I, I went twice to the live Uh, Starship Troopers one. And that was just (laughs) great because, you know, I got to see a movie I already like, you know, remastered. And then, you know, the jokes were very, very clever. Like when they're in the Mm -hmm. practice session, the Toy Story Army attacks. And (laughs) I know the one that got the most audience cheer, both with the live audience and the on-screen live audience, Mm -hmm. was when, you know, they're uh, at the end of one of the final attacks, the grenade, you know, fight. I love how it's like, it's either Mike or Kevin that quip or Bill that quips. Um, I think it was Bill, but it might actually be Mike, mm-hmm. but he, he just says, David Cronenberg's a book's life. <laughs> 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 I was like, this perfectly sums up this movie. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> oh man. Um, uh, but I would meet some very interesting people here. Cause I would bring a Tom Servo puppet. I bought off of eBay and, nice. uh, It was very intriguing to see uh, uh, like people who didn't even know anything about the show, but knew what it was kind of about. And just like there were people who went to the live version of Santa Claus Conquers the Martians Uh and uh, they they were like, ah, we saw this right here in this very town back in the day. And so we can't believe what a whack. still just as wacky as we remembered it. It was the Christmas special where we were laughing at for the wrong reasons. I'm like, so see everyone always kind of, I think TV definitely did help a lot in many ways. There would be, it's kind of like the movie they would even reference in every episode. That I'm surprised they never did like kill dozer. Whereas like there were always those weird movies that you would grow up knowing about. And you're like, I don't think I've actually seen that. Or, Oh, I remember that when I was five, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, what what's been your favorite of the live events? Do you think they've been they've done a good job of just kind of not only uh, the movies, but really making sure the material appeals to just about anybody?
3: Honestly, my absolute favorite uh, live riff has to be Birdemic. I that was ultimately one too. Birdemic yeah. Birdemic by itself is a hysterical movie without oh, yeah. any of the riffs. But those guys that night live were absolutely on fire. I mean, I. I I, I think that's another example where I left with a, a stomachache. I just I did was too. laughing so
2: hard. I, I, I bought a hot <laughs> dog or some stuff, and I was like, "Oh, oh, oh, oh
0: <laughs> fuck, that's so funny."
2: Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, and even seeing, uh, have you seen any of those movies signed with the Mads moments? I mean, yes uh the audience interaction really is good like there will be times where they'll flub their lines and they'll riff themselves and they're like oh hey okay i didn't expect exactly.
3: this to be that kind of show but um, oh man i like yeah i like where every i mean it doesn't happen often enough but yeah every now and then like or every few movies you might get kevin say one of his lines like in the wrong spot at, at during a live performance and he'll be like oh oh wait no that's in a few seconds and then he'll say it again and it's like was it funny that time <laughs> yes, yes, he will.
0: He he
2: will remind the audience to laugh. Um, he's always kind of even. He he pretty much you know Bill will always be kind of the guy who like kind of starts a premise. And then Mike will mm-hmm. ask a, a question, saying, "Well, I don't think anyone's seen that kind of bad movie." Or, and, and then yeah, Kevin will often finish it and <laughs> lose his shit. <laughs> and it,
3: it, it's again, it's a t- it's a perfect ensemble. Um, yeah, they've been working together so long that even when they mess up, it's it's absolutely hysterical. I mean, there is no messing up for those three guys. Oh, totally. And <laughs>
2: uh, and sometimes they're like. Kevin, did you see that movie? You watch more shit than any of us. This wasn't any good cinematic Titanic. Well, I mean, you saw so many sides of, uh, Jay Elvis It's like, man, yes. I never knew he could do that. And I, as a result, I've checked out his stand-up CDs he's ha- he had, and uh, as well as Jonah Ray's, uh, CDs. And I was like, yep. man, these guys were grooming, you know, I'd known all of them who they were before because they did other side projects and, right. Uh, but it's like, man, it's like I would pay to see them come to town. But um, <laughs> uh, with Frank and Trace, I mean, actually being in the theater with us and kind of interacting with us, that that was wonderful. Because, I mean, they did a, oh God, what was that weird uh, Vincent Price movie? It's like a little,
0: hmm.
2: it's kind of like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. The Tingler. The Tingler, ah, the tonight's movie was, they would often do a lot of the same movies per state. And then they would change it up, like, meanwhile, and, you know, <laughs> this state. Um, but, like, at one point, like, they were harboring on some of the bad movies that year. I know Trace was, uh, Frank was like, oh, this movie smells worse than Baywatch. And uh, <laughs> I think Trace made a quip about Valerian and me and some other guys were like, ooh, ouch. And, and Trace
3: just actually turned around to us. Oh, did I hurt your Valerian feelings? <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite crossover comments they've done is when they did the um, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, and the first time Robert Pattinson walks in and they go, sparkly vampire, fall in love with it.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I fucking lost it. <laughs> oh, yeah. They
2: – you can tell that, you know, anyone who thinks they improvise is like, no, it it's not like whose line. It's not – like some even even the funnier moments of SNL or Mad TV goof note is like no they had to watch this every time and yeah. other people would dictate it for them. <laughs> like you've even seen the behind the scenes documentaries is like yeah they're having to make note and there's plenty of times where they'll is like certain parts of whatever they're reviewing you'll see that they're just laughing It's like I I I can't even begin to imagine what I'll say during the scene. <laughs>
3: Yeah, and I couldn't imagine that process. I mean, having to watch a movie like like we'll watch an episode of MST or riff tracks, and you know, with the comments in it, and we'll laugh and think it's funny, blah blah blah. But these poor guys, man, they're watching these terrible movies like twenty to thirty times to write out all these jokes and everything else. It's like, could you imagine having to watch like Red Zone Cuba thirty times? Uh-huh. I, oh. I would put a bullet in my brain. <laughs> I I mean, you have to love what you do and i mean that's all they did for a living so i mean exactly i mean hey hopefully they made good livings on it because man uh you know everybody thinks it's so easy oh you just watch a movie and make jokes and it's like all right well you do it and then when someone tries they always look ridiculous because they don't know what the hell they're doing it's hard to be witty on the spot for an hour and a half you know so
2: obviously i would see a lot of these jokes i would see occasional uh, non-fans of the show say if I wanted to make fun of a movie, I'd make up my own commentary, and it's like, bull fucking
4: shit.
3: I actually do commentaries with one of my podcasts, and it, it's still not easy. I mean, we still go off topic and start having like 10-minute tangents that have nothing to do with the movie no, we're talking about. It's, hard. So, yeah, it's not easy, remotely. Uh,
2: they would sometimes do that, too. Oh, that's right. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah, we're yeah. supposed to be watching this movie. <laughs> we all can't stand a minute of but yeah i mean there are moments like that where you're like oh man i i think it was during mike when he was b- first going solo he did do a perfect uh riff of predator <laughs> yes like, anytime you he heard the music he's like i should be doing something productive right now <laughs> i should be going to the gym i should be i should be going out and buying groceries <laughs>
3: Have you uh, have you had a chance to watch any of the Bridget and Mary Joe stuff that they've been releasing lately? I
2: haven't yet. I need to so bad. And I, I when I saw that they were taking on Gravity and just other mm-hmm. movies that uh, were kind of pretentious chick flicks or just just nutty, just like uh, movies. I'm like, oh, I'm sure they're gonna sneak in any everything from. Uh, fake British accents to Downton Abbey impressions to just all kinds of stuff.
3: (laughs) Um, If you or any of the listeners have an Amazon prime account, they actually, one of the Mary Jo and uh, uh, shit, I forgot her name, Bridget, Bridget and Mary Jo. One of their episodes is free on Amazon prime. It's a Christmas shorts uh, special and it's, it's none of the same shorts that the Rift tracks guys did on their Christmas shorts spectacular yeah Um, they haven't
2: done too many repeats i know when they first started out i mean there was a solo version of uh, night of the living dead and house on haunted hill and then when they started doing the live stuff they are like okay we gotta you know change up the movies now (laughs) and
0: exactly exactly
2: i think they've done a pretty good job of most of the rehashes of certain ones like uh you know monos and santa claus they had totally different riffs so it's like okay so it's a totally different episode and Uh, The only one I know this isn't popular with some people I did not care for just because the original episode was just like the definition of classic, you know, mystery science theater for Mm -hmm. it was probably space mutiny. I just for whatever reason, I I just thought them going with the uncut version was just kind of (laughs) it makes it an even rougher set. And I.
3: I, I didn't care for some of the riffs that
2: I can time. see that.
1: Yeah. I but, mean,
3: obviously the first time, the first couple of times you watch the MST edition of uh, Space Mutiny, just it, it's so freaking funny. I mean, just the, the scenes of them just giving uh, Red Brown's character names, you know, big, oh, M- yeah. large, huge. I mean, the first time you experience that, it's amazing. It's going to be really hard to reproduce that for the live show. Thankfully, they didn't really harp on that too much, but uh, you're right. I mean, the live wasn't nearly as funny as the MST version, but still well worth the money, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. And I mean, they they always do some
2: very fun just like intros to every show where, you know, they got Weird Al doing some music playing, you know, from one of his more recent albums and some wacky trivia. Yep. (laughs)
3: Oh, the pregame. Yeah. yeah, you always got to get early for get there early for a Rift Tracks live event. Oh, totally. And oh. It, it's not hard, you know. The cr- theaters
2: are never crowded, and it really does. Uh, it is a lot of fun to also just like just you. you can kind of even get an idea of who wrote which one. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's a Mike quip, or that's probably <laughs> a Kevin riff. Um, yeah. uh, I forget which one that was. Kind of Halloween themed, but. <laughs> It was around that time, and I, I remember there was one funny one. I took a photo of it, where it was like uh, instead of watching Candyman free, just say his name three times <laughs> or some shit. It's like <laughs> they would do all other sorts of just like pop culture references. Yeah. It's like I think that's just it. The right people get it. And I mean, do you think there's even some underappreciated later uh, Comedy Central episodes? I mean, they did Night of the Blood Beast twice. Once once for right. Thanksgiving, and it's like. To where's like they would even have like alternate like host segments on certain DVDs mm-hmm. for just show you what the syndicated versions were like.
1: <laughs> right,
3: right.
2: Just playing the poor guy from a, a biography.
3: <laughs> oh God, yeah, Mike's impression of that dude is spectacular. Oh, my oh God. totally.
2: And, um, I mean, even it's even funnier when you look at how, uh, they even kind of get around. The different portrayals is like, yep, we we had a voice change on
3: Crow. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you got to deal with that a few times over the uh, course of the franchise. <laughs> I, I didn't think Jay Elvis was that bad as Servo. I mean, I
2: never could really tell, and you know, except on you know further rewatches. but it's sure. like, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's just so funny though too how, uh, uh, every time you've gone through the series, how many times did they totally. Entirely tried to escape the theater. <laughs> mhm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you never know who's there, you know. If you had a number, do you
3: think it's like five times they've attempted to? <laughs> or they come in late. <laughs> That's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, they always make a big old gag about it. So yeah. Right.
2: My oxygen just got cut off. <laughs> I had to go <laughs> back in. I got electrocuted. Yep. Um. Okay. Let's go to a few other ones.
3: Uh. Um. Uh, I kind of feel like Robot vs. the Aztec Mummy is just so goofy. Yeah, and, that is an odd one. That one and Robot Monster, those are two that I are like... those both mixed up for the longest time, and I was just like... I think I did too, actually, now that I think about it.
2: <laughs> like, just because of the title, and not at all because of the content. I mean, Robot Monster is way more of a mad scientist movie, and this one is just... It's like, it's randomly set in Egypt, and... <laughs> and... Every they they're making fun of a lot of the simple stuff, the scantily clad people, the art directions So it's like, yeah, that's my kind of deal. I like how the riffs are very multiple. You know, it doesn't struggle as much as in any season where it's like, hmm, not quite sure I got that entire pop culture reference. You know. <laughs>
3: Oh man, another one that I really like. It's it's a really oddball one. I actually tried to watch it without the MST riffs once, and it, it's kind of a, a little bit of a drag. But um, overdrawn at the memory bank oh, with Raul Julia. God. I I am a huge fan of Raul Julia, so I gravitate towards this episode. Great, great. The actor. movie itself, though, is so freaking weird.
2: <laughs> right, and. I think someone did at one time even show is like, you can get the VHS. It was just a PBS production. (laughs) Yeah,
3: it looks it looks like an absolute like cheap production TV film. Absolutely. Right. uh, You know, like a camera. (laughs) Exactly. Video toaster effects. Oh, my God. Classic 90s editing. So fun.
0: Mm hmm. (laughs)
3: <laughs> but yeah, that that is an oddball one. I I'm a big fan of Casablanca, so I'm actually I dig the Casablanca references throughout the film. Yeah. And I am I am a fan of Raul Julia in general. So I mean I just you know, I I, I could watch him in anything, almost anything. I don't need to see Street Fighter again, but overdrawn at the victory <laughs> bank all day long. Oh totally. And uh, okay, so it was a
2: 1983 episode of American Playhouse. Okay. <laughs>
0: 83.
2: Okay. Shit, yeah. Makes I thought sense. it was 90s too, but I think that's just it. I just got it mixed up because it was a 96 episode. So I was like,
3: Oh yeah, that's valid. Yep. Yep.
2: But yeah, it is just definitely one of those where you're like, Yeah, I like the concept. This should totally be like a cyberpunk, you know, dream come true, and it's just mess. Oh, <laughs> it's just classic cinema come to life someone even has it listed as a comedy in imdb i'll oh, get out of here <laughs> Ooh, that's a that's a reach but i mean
3: unintentional sure
2: but yeah. <laughs> oh god um what about um i accused my parents
3: oh great one classic because really obviously
2: we'll talk endlessly about mitchell but like this was just an interesting one cuz it's like it could have totally worked as like a gangster movie and then it's just you got the whiny, unlikable character framing you know
0: <laughs> Like <laughs>
3: that just... was one of the first VHSs I ever bought cuz oh. obviously in the 90s we didn't have our DVDs sets yet but yeah they had the individual episodes on VHS they only had mm-hmm. like 6 to 8 of them and yeah I think that was one of the first ones I bought that and Ega <laughs> Oh yeah
2: and I mean and then just having the usual heavy-handed propaganda messages, you know, just sure. thrown in there. And it's like, that totally distracts from the narrative. <laughs> and I'll tell you, that villain, that actor who's playing him, he, he's just awesome. It's just like, you just want to see him just choose scenery. He, he looks like a mix between, I don't I don't know if you could say David Nevin, but kind of, he has kind of that basal rat bone kind of look. Phil, yeah. seeing him... Just this is his attempt at being a you know Edward G. Robinson, Humphrey Bogart type, and <laughs> he, he, the movie is just letting him down. And yet he, you know, each time he's on screen, you know, is like it just, He really does a lot with a premise that you really can't do much with.
3: No, incredibly thin premise.
2: That's I gotta right. try going for Daddy-O again. I recall that having being another one where a petty oh. person we have to follow for the whole time. <laughs>
3: Yeah, man, there's some episodes that I really don't return to that often. Daddio is definitely one of them. I mentioned Red Zone Cuba earlier. Oh, anything by Coleman Francis, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, all, all three Coleman Francis movies. Avoid those like the plague. Oh, man. I mean, It was so funny, though, with the Sky because I have been <laughs> the – I always end up
2: getting – I have, like, maybe free copies of it in my house, and it's not. Because I wanted to. It was because of one of those Mill Creek, Anchor Bay, you know mm-hmm. – multiple movie packs and someone sneaks it on there every time it's like who wants to see this
0: movie
3: (laughs) oh man yeah
2: there was even parts of it where i'm like i just totally zoned out i'm like you guys are funny but boy howdy but i guffawed because given the recent political turmoil we have there was some very stuff that was just so true back in the 90s that i was guffawing i think servo says it's like and this ladies and gents is the latest nra convention i'm like oh (laughs) shit oh my god (laughs) I'm like i'm definitely getting some violent testosterone here from this awful movie (laughs) oh man um (laughs) uh, do you also kind of find that like some of these like could easily be twilight zone star trek episodes and yet this is like it makes you wonder why they were rejected, you know? Mm-hmm. Did no one know what to make of them? <laughs> I could see that, absolutely. Oh, man. um, There was another one. I forgot what it was, but it, it was one of the ones that had Cameron Mitchell in it.
3: <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, uh, uh Space? No, we already talked about Space Mutiny. So um, uh, what, what was the so... other one with Mitchell? Damn it. Uh. He was
2: playing an evil corporate bad guy, and it was just so funny. It's like It was like abc mbc tv movie of the week <laughs> it was just uh, ah. uh i even had i think my problem is too my my folks used to be up for it but now my mother gets too wrapped up into the movie and the cheesiness i'm like please multitask better you know it's like <laughs> you're not <laughs> supposed to be paying attention to it all and she started asking me plot whole questions i'm like no one knows i've just started this i don't know what's going on
0: <laughs> yeah
3: Definitely. definitely
2: okay well let's go to oh yeah city limits i don't think it's talked about enough
3: no that definitely doesn't get talked about enough uh,
2: it's like oh, man i mean to to even just um you know even begin to sum it up i mean you got just such a bizarre cast <laughs> trace blue introduces it as james earl jones back when he needed the money or some shit like that <laughs> it's, um it's kind of a fun stupid movie at times if you really want to have fun with it but it is also one of those where you're like yeah there's also a lot of dead space in here and it's began you know crow's infatuation with kim Cattrall, and it's like yeah that's pretty funny and
0: yeah
3: um, um i remember uh what was that the bronx warriors
1: right yes
3: trash trash is my dude
0: and yes, trapped exactly.
2: episode. It's like they had like a Lionsgate issue with it, and I'm like, I can't believe it because it's been really re- both that and the first one have been released multiple times on Blu ray. I'm like, God, why can't we have an a, you know a DVD copy of this episode? Because I really do, yeah, enjoy um uh Mike's impression of the character Silvio, who's like a a comedic. An intentionally funny guy in the movie, and uh, most people watching this, it's so funny. It had the title Escape 2000, which made people think it had something to do with this other aus- Australian post apocalyptic movie under the same name, and <laughs> no such luck. But then it's like, yeah, it's like most people didn't know it was a sequel, and most people who watch the episode think that that character actually does. Uh, die, uh, die for real when it turns out he actually survives the movie, but they didn't know because it's like they have only the TV edit of the movie, so it's just so funny how <laughs> she, they, they kind of acknowledge it too with him just like hitting on uh, Pearl back when she you know was you know disabled and just you know Doctor Forrester's we only knew her as Doctor Forrester's mom and she's like right. Clayton and he's like
5: eh, who's this guy?
3: <laughs> oh man. Um, do oh,
5: you man, have another?
3: A, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say another another absolute favorite of uh, of ours here, uh, and it's not because it's necessarily a good movie. Obviously, not a very good movie, but just the riffs are so stellar, and that's Werewolf i oh, I, yeah. I adore where as bad and, and i recognize how awful that movie is oh yeah but the riffs are so good i mean i could listen to that woman try to pronounce werewolf all day <laughs> warwolf what warwolf, war-wolf. war-wolf.
2: yeah <laughs> so oh good. man and i'm actually good friends with joe estevez
3: <laughs> oh awesome oh we love joe estevez here oh yeah <laughs> we'll take her, hell yeah
2: <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, how much uh, does anything really star us? I realize that's from uh, Soul Taker, but yeah, that's another good one too. It's like those were just very, very cheap VHS era movies, and it's like Soul Taker somehow got like screened at like a festival, and it was just so blasphemous how someone wrote a review saying it was a better movie than Ghost. It's like what? No. I and for werewolf is like it didn't have anything other than you know Richard Lynch as a draw and uh, if you look at the VHS for the longest time you could see that it was like a morphing a VHS poster yeah. <laughs> and I mean yeah uh, I can't recommend that movie at all. Supposedly it had a graphic sex scene but I have oh, not really? I've not been able to find that on any regular cut of the movie except like a Spanish version back. Back when Mega Upload was a thing. So I was just like, yeah, this movie is an absolute drag. You've got a Russian guy who doesn't speak much English playing the title character slash villain question yeah. <laughs> mark. And I mean, just uh, one of the most it was kind of a big deal because that in another movie we'll get to in you know, were just like the most recent movies, you know, to be featured on the show. So it really kind of was becoming kind of an unofficial honor, is <laughs> like mm-hmm. to see. Um, and it, I think it was one interview either on the DVDs and even in other stuff over the years how they, you know, pretty much some of these movies actually would get aired on USA Network at times, and so they would say, hey, oh yeah, it makes better sense to just give it to them. So then. <laughs> make double the time people watch the movie um but yeah i mean it's like that is like it, it, i mean they had done vhs era movies before one that i think kind of got overlooked during late comedy central era was probably death stalker free the warriors from hell and that movie i actually credit with making me get back religiously into watching this show a lot because i you know I'm already a B-movie fanatic to begin with, so it's like, yeah, why am I not watching this show in quite a while? And I think you, you kind of do get that phase uh, where, I don't know, like you really do have to actually be in the mood for it, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, there would be a time where you're like, I- I'm just, I can't handle any stupid movies today. I can't, but there <laughs> uh, there are other times where it's like, well, if you're going to, you might as well go with this. Um
3: it's uh, funny you bring up Deathstalker, too, because uh, on my uh, movie commentary podcast, we've actually done uh, the first two Deathstalkers and woo! are contemplating doing three. <laughs> oh, man,
2: three would be interesting because I would, I would like to see what, uh, I mean, people find the sword fight so spectacularly bad in that one because mm-hmm. it's just very, however it's just choreographed, it just looks not so well rehearsed. theater actors trying to make it work with plastic swords but it's just funny too because um that's when they get the most rowdy mike even lets out a get to the choppers line but um uh and (laughs) i i recognize the guy who played (laughs) um the stalker that time he became you know he was kind of just a low-rent 80s hunk Mm -hmm. and after briefly being in a few Roger Corbin productions, he kind of just became just kind of a recurring guest star on various other shows. So it's like, it is kind of funny seeing some of these actors who we knew now from hit shows oh, yeah. who are on some of the best episodes of this show. <laughs> not in a great light, but yeah, it's like, it, it, that. some people have even, what I find very interesting is gone, like, matched up the dialogue of like those scenes and match it up with uh like the nhd copy of the uncut movie and it's an even bigger experience and one of the one one guy who did that a lot did it with death stalker free is like remaster the uncut sword fight (laughs) but putting the dialogue over that scene over it and i'm like oh awesome so i'm seeing this in hd uncut Wow. And while I'm missing the silhouettes, it's still a lot of fun to just see hear their voice as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Um, uh, Operation Kid Rudder does not get enough love. So, to honor Neil Connery, that's right, uh, mm-hmm. a brother of Sean Connery, who starred in an Italian James Bond slash sequel slash meta parody, <laughs> it's like, I honored him by watching it that that week and i was like
3: man (laughs) what what a movie (laughs) Um, i'm 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 i I, I seem to be crossing that one in my head with eight with uh double double oh seven i think so it's like i I think it goes under two different titles they had to oh Oh, is is that double? okay so uh, all right that that makes sense because yeah with all the arrows
2: um, and the random just cat circus in the (laughs) middle of the desert
3: possibly yeah yeah But
2: when it comes to
3: those like Super Dragon, Secret Agent Super Dragon and Agent 007, I tend to – because they're all spy kind of spy thrillers from the 60s, I tend to kind of mismatch which one I'm talking about.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to tell them apart from the other, but I kind of do have kind of a love of those kind of goofy movies to begin with because it's like if they weren't referencing Bond, then they were referencing likely – other stuff that was like an ongoing thing like even stuff from europe like largo winch so it is kind of fun because it's yeah. like oh some of those movies are very confusing and yet you kind of are having fun just because they just are kind of goofy like one of them is basically and a lot of them still do to this day even get shown on antenna channels there was one that was basically rumor was on the street that it became an Unofficially remade as Moonranker or something like that. I'm like, Jesus! Really? <laughs> it was Like, so the broccoli, uh, the and the other producers, uh, Alberto, whoever of the Bond uh-huh. franchise, were looking at the knockoffs and get an idea. So like, wow, that's funny. <laughs> it's kind of like with the whole Jaws thing. How is like Spielberg hired Joe Dante to do some of the movies for him when he saw when he's like, Yeah, is the best Jaws parody. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so. It is kind of wild how it's like you are, like you say, you're getting a textbook and you're, it's like, and in some cases, this is the only way you'll be able to see certain versions of these certain movies. Like you'd have to probably pay like five grand to get some of them on you know, mm-hmm. cut. Oh, goodness. Um, oh, goodness. Uh, did you see, um well, you've seen it all, obviously, but did you notice where during, okay, so which one? This is kind of apples and oranges, but which one do you think, just which Joe Don Baker venture gives you more belly aching? Last is it Mitchell or Final Justice? Oh,
3: man, that's that's almost unfair. I probably am gonna go with Mitchell because uh, I I just think the riffs are a little bit tighter there. I don't know. I it almost seems like the guys are actually a fan of the film because they're they're so like on point with a lot of their with a lot of their like riffs. Right. Um, What would basically
2: be a Perry Mason or Rockford Files episode is just a very (laughs) over the top (laughs) revenge fest. And uh, there's one clip I saw on there that was like one of the bumpers when they were doing like the marathons. And at one point, Trace is saying is like, Jordan Baker. I mean, he's just one hell of an actor. And then he just starts uh, freezing for a minute and just making a bunch of other unrelated riffs. And it's like Mitchell. Oh, man, Mitchell. (laughs) <laughs> um but yeah i mean i they did say in like a more recent q a uh like from 2016 when they were doing that get together entire mst3k cast reunited on right. track style is like they were promoting it at one panel and it was a lot of fun seeing trace and frank just like kind of reconfirm is like once again we're not a film criticism format we're just yeah. A movie watching platform that's a comedy show and it, it is so funny how I they're mean, like it was like we grew up liking jodan baker he was excellent in that mini series where he played the colonel uh, army of edge of darkness and yep. it was like and but it's just it was either the character who's a douchebag or just how he portrayed that guy <laughs> just with that movie just wasn't a likable title character <laughs> and it but they they did mention how yeah Frank did a lot of the movie picks Joel did Frank uh, Mike did a lot of the writing and Joel did a, you know the invention exchanges and mm-hmm. the host segment kind of platforms let's have a recurring you know theme where someone you know some character from the
3: movie visits us <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I mean I used to love when they like early on with the Joel years and and even with the early Mike years too I guess the Comedy Central years in general. Where they would do like little segments like that, incorporating characters from the movies. What I wasn't the biggest fan of is towards the end of the series when they started doing like, um, continuing storylines with the host segments, you know? Yeah. Um I for the most part, I you know, don't get me wrong, I still enjoyed all the Roman stuff and all the Pearl trying to take the <laughs> and everything
0: else. Right.
3: But sometimes like, especially if you're watching the show for the first time and you're not quite watching them in order, you almost lose the context of the story. Like if yeah. you're watching it as it airs, I guess it's cool. But I, I just – I that was the, probably the only thing MST's ever done that I didn't really agree with. And I know that was more of a um, sci-fi channel request because that happened right when they moved from Comedy Central to sci-fi. And, you know – Especially the movie when they had that inside joke, please, please give us the
2: sci-fi channel, which was a double joke. <laughs> it's like they're making a radar you know reception joke, and then it's like, yeah. But at that time, they didn't know if this was literally their final outing in movie form. Yeah. <laughs> or and, but they got picked up a following like few years later and it's like yeah it is kind of funny how well and they they uh, Kevin you know he I think you saw that one interview years ago it was like a Get Coffee magazine 2002 2004 he was like they fucking tortured us he's like we were so used to having one guy from back when HBO owned Comedy Central is like come to us once a year and then leave us alone and sci-fi was kind of okay with that like the first year and then like the rest of the time is like they would send someone like once a year or once a month i think and it was like like you say is like it never made any sense because it's like they were always going to air them out of order anyway even the one with ernest borgnine the
3: oh a merlin shop yeah Yeah, that
2: that was aired after the show had already ended, it was supposed to be aired before, but it's like they had like right. a rights issue or something. And then they yeah, had a
3: Diab- issue again. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Diabolic was supposed to be the last episode, but they ended up airing one more after that. Yeah. It I remember that. shit.
2: What's funny is that was probably the first one I saw before I actually saw an official episode. So it's was like, I was like, what is that creepy looking, you know, monkey. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right, and, Yeah. The monkey shines monkey dude. Right. And,
2: uh, it, it was the, uh, the first one I saw all the way through was time of the apes. So, Oh my God, I have goodness. But, uh, yeah, it like, <laughs> it's like, it's so wild how like that was from like a seventies TV movie, the same guy made. And I've asked other people who have seen the episode on cut. What is the difference? Cause like, usually they would just take stuff out with, which not only wasn't riffable or just wasn't safe to air, mm-hmm. but it was just so funny how it was like with Merlin is like, they didn't re- it's already a pretty violent, you know, <laughs> movie hits the pg-13 rating but you know uh, it's wild how it's like they didn't really have anything else except just more sh- shots of just merlin just walking around sometimes even in shots where he's not even supposed to be there and uh, I just walking around the city looking for a toy monkey and it is kind of funny how it's like that caused confusion and they had to clarify that on the uh, message boards back when they had like a format they were mm-hmm. kind of It's like Babylon Five kind of opened that for fans, and they kind of just followed suit. It's like, okay, we'll do some, you know, Yahoo group chats and everything. And it is kind of funny how it's like, yeah, uh, there were certain times where people were like, I was confused when you made that Merlin clip. It's like, oh, (laughs) because the original cut of the movie, we he was in that cut part, but uh, (laughs) what made it to the final frame, we kind of just had to ease up on him. Is like, okay, he they actually technically can't see him in this part of the frame. (laughs) But mm-hmm. uh, I, I know Paul Chaplin, who played a lot of various supporting characters and did some puppetry um, for Gypsy, I think, later on. And was later her voice was, uh, I think he was evol- involved a little bit again with when it returned to Netflix. But it was kind of funny how mm-hmm. uh, he's unfortunately, I think, had some issues with family, just having to nurse them back to health, So that's been sad. But. It's been interesting seeing him and Bees McKeever, uh, the, uh, who I think was one of the art directors, just do some interaction, and they're just kind of natural comedians in and of themselves. So it' was like, yeah, of course, that's why they ended up being guest <laughs> stars on the show later on. But he even noticed, is like, we had no idea that Space Mutiny got all its stock footage from the original Battlestar Galactica. Didn't even cross our minds. That's how yeah. big sci-fi fans we are. <laughs> But yeah, go back to your original topic on the recurring characters. I mean, uh, it is kind of funny, is like these are kind of probably the most famous Lord of the Rings fans I know. <laughs> I literally watched it read those books growing up in the seventies, so it's like to make Targo, the legendary, you know, weird, you know, groundskeeper and monos just be a recurring character and then uh transform him like Gandalf. He's like, I'm Torgo the Grey, now I'm Torgo the White and <laughs> second banana heaven i'm like that's where frank went all these yeah. years i'm like jeez okay works for me yeah. and the if you go to the tv tropes website um page for riff tracks is like lord of the rings riffs are like the only ones where they actually go easy on the movie because they are actually kind of hardcore l-o-t-r fans I'm
6: like,
2: and so they <laughs> yeah, pretty much up. Makes- yeah oh man oh yeah and <laughs> um. The Phantom Planet, when I noticed it recently, was kind of interesting because of all the trapped on another planet kind of ones done mm-hmm. in black and white. That one's like goes by pretty fast, but they make a bunch of funny quips about the uh, villain kind of being romanticized by the female heroine in that one. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, it's either. I think Kevin makes a funny private eye kind of joke. Like it's. <laughs> Making fun of the sultry nature of this movie at times, and then at another time, I think Mike whispers in a uh, female voice, "I should call the police." <laughs> <I'm> like, Jesus, <laughs> some of these rips are way, way ahead of the Me Too movement. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh so tell me about the touch of Satan.
3: <laughs> oh man, this is where the fishes live. <laughs> do I have to say any more? I. Mean, for, I, I I don't even have to hear that line. I can just think it and I just lose it. Just the ridiculousness of that girl. And I understand she's a sheltered woman, only lives on the farm. But obviously once you realize who she is, it's like, okay, you're 300 years old and that's the line you went with. This is where the, the fishes live.
0: Right.
2: The <sighs> Redford look-alike, and then a Rhino Nil or somebody, they were trying to ape and then – it, yeah, it seems to go... is like the actors just kind of... I don't know if it's that they don't connect. It's that they just seem to just uh, be very melodramatic and soapy. So it is kind of funny just seeing how the movie just kind of just keeps taking a turn and just... It, much like Squirm, it's just another just kind of redneck kind of talent. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah.
3: Those two uh, had very little chemistry.
2: <laughs> right. And, and then it tries to get all sexual in like the last... T- Five minutes and then it's like, oh, and it's just so funny seeing them just thinking what we're thinking. Oh yeah, oh, ah, ah. <laughs> like they're just making fun of all the transformations and it's like, I mean, when you open up your movie with a a random unrelated farmer getting killed by a pitchfork, that's <laughs> like, grandma, it's like, right? <laughs> was this? This was almost like Children of the Corn before there was one. It's like, yeah. Kinda, yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Um, so I had a lot of favorites. Uh, I know a lot of people just couldn't get into it right away because uh, yeah. like the first two episodes were pretty slow, but it was still interesting seeing them kind of take on the one that was like the South Korean
3: knockoff of Godzilla. <laughs> oh, oh wait, South Korea. Uh, that's uh Young Gary gary yes. And <laughs> I, I think it's one of those it starts off pretty slow,
2: but they really do find their groove by the end of the episode. They Yeah. Much like with uh uh was it Gargo and then Gorgo. Gorgo. Yes. Gargo yeah. does have some fun ones, but yeah, then there was like some you know much like every other uh uh just outing is like, yeah, I mean uh they, uh, there's even times where I think they snuck in a few Tor Johnson references. <laughs> like they just got a lot of those oh, kind of yeah. dark, creeping moment ones. Um. Uh. What did you think of? They also had an encounter with um. Uh, uh, the asylum by having them do the robot Jocks uh, Pacific Rim knockoff Atlantic Rim. And oh
0: yeah.
3: Oh boy. Atlantic yeah. Rim. Um,
2: That's a painful one. Holy man. hmm
3: <laughs> And I. Already, I I had seen Star
2: I, Crash a few different times before on cut, but it was very hard to get through this time around. I was just like, I, man, there's no
3: plot. Yeah, I mean, the, the, well, with Star Crash, I mean, the mere fact that Joe Spinell's in there acting absolutely ludicrous is endlessly entertaining to me. Oh, the yeah. fact that the fact that he yells every line like he can't speak a line in that movie everything is it's this grand. oh my God, I love it, it, it right I, I couldn't tell you anything about that story and I've seen that episode at least a dozen times. I just uh, Joe Spinell uh. He, the the fact that he can go from, you know, scalping women in 1980 to being a fake Darth Vader uh, less than 10 years later is just endlessly entertaining to me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not to mention being coming from the Scorsese Coppola factory, and here he is yeah. in just a very confused,
0: you know.
3: <laughs> they probably, uh, I'm pretty sure they paid David Hasselhoff and Coke for that movie. Oh, probably. I guarantee that's funny, too, that Hasselhoff, it, that he wasn't the star, technically. You yeah. Know? He was, like, a big player, and the guy that they, the guy that actually was the star was, like, incredibly homely looking. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, you've got Hasselhoff. Why don't you make him the star? Hasselhoff in the early 80s, too. This is, like, prime Hoff, you know? Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, uh, taking a break from, well, I think it was, like, 78, 79, but, yeah, it was, like, a few years before his oh, star yeah he's doing soap operas at the time so yeah there you go um and i mean cry wilderness is kind of another example of when they do a movie that just seems you know back when they didn't give a shit about ratings and you're like whoa i
1: thought this was a kids movie
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i like a lot of the the stuff from the last two episodes i think or last two seasons excuse me Mm -hmm. um I, I I tend to gravitate towards reptilicus. Um, oh yeah, I, I think I, I think the song that Jonah uh, raps in that episode, "Every Country Has a Monster," is literally one of the best songs on, in the series. And I that was, was the first episode the of their return. And mm-hmm. I, I could not. I mean, what a perfect way to start Jonah's run as the host, because. I I adore that episode, easily my favorite episode of the last two seasons. But I mean, if I had to make a top 25 or 20 all time, it it might be on there. I just I mean, obviously, it's a kaiju movie. We all know I'm a big kaiju guy. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I tend to gravitate towards the kaiju episodes more and more. But yeah, some reptilicus, he they absolutely nailed that. And that song is just pure magic to me. I think it is on the album they released. Oh, perfect. And mind you, I'm someone who hates when non-rappers rap. Like I lived through the nineties and the two (laughs) thousands when everybody was rapping, every car salesman, grannies, uh, fast food mascots, but (laughs) this for whatever it's worth, it hits and it hits hard. I love it. (laughs) Uh, he, He really did have a good,
2: uh, tone with just all the various songs and just bursting into them naturally. Um, and even having, heard, having seen Baron Vong do stand-up and Hampton Yao, the new crow, hearing his rather X-rated comedy ventures of uh, stand-up <laughs> CDs is like... They they just are all just natural goofballs. They've been all sheltered all throughout their lives and just are really good at just uh, just. I
3: think you have to be people. a goofball to be on this show. It, it, oh, it's got to totally. be so draining mentally and physically. You you have to have a childlike enthusiasm to do this for what thirty plus years now. Oh totally, and I can only imagine what season thirteen will be like. Um, oh, I'm excited. Yeah, uh, I, I need my money. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I can't wait for my goodies to come in the mail after fundraising. Um, uh, well, tell me about Killer Fish, because it's like this is kind of a decent, watchable movie, but it's uh, also kind of funny because it's like it's a very convoluted heist slash
3: Jaws knockoff, but it yeah, doesn't really make use of formulas. I don't know why it Italy did that so much. Italy actually had a time when they were mixing like, shark ripoffs with heist movies. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of more examples of that. I actually... The Last Shark. Yes, The Last Shark. That's what I was thinking of. Exactly. It's like, why are you mixing these genres? Give me one or the other. There's no need to, you know, jack of of all trades, but master of none. And almost
2: all of our Giallo guys end up appearing on these MST3K and Retract guys. Uh, One of my favorites, who was basically mentored by Argento, and, like, I think he... Probably his best one was the Sect, which is known as to some as "Demons for, <laughs> and is like yeah. <laughs> he did Ghost House for him, and I'm like, oh my,
0: oh, <laughs> just,
2: <laughs> what a hell of a movie to get through. Is like even for goofy jealous standards, is like or slash haunted house movies yeah. that mashups they did is like this one was a really rough chore to get through, <laughs> just not much happening. But um, yeah, is like. Uh, almost all of them end up appearing on some of these movies at some point, like Enzo G, you know, Castorale, you know, did that, yeah. you know, Fox Warriors 2, but, like, I think, uh, you know, just, just Franco is kind of interesting. It's like, you have to suffer for fumanchu Manchu. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> definitely an episode I can't do again. I'm like, yeah, I, I could give less of a shit about the political correctness. I, I'm more just in that as, like, other than Christopher Lee, like, this movie just is... Doing everything that I find hard to watch a movie with when it's like just the footage is just not matching up at all. <laughs> right,
0: Oh, no, That's and, valid. The be, Fu Manchu so.
3: movies were always hard to watch. <laughs> and now they're just problematic, so <laughs> Oh, totally. And sadly.
2: And yeah, I mean, it is so funny though how you look at some of their filmographies and some of them have just like a direct to video uh festival movie career, and others is like a lot of these Italian guys, if they weren't doing gruesome giallo slashers, they were doing Bad <laughs> Max knockoffs or hardcore porn. I'm like, Jesus Christ. they That's one hell of a resume. But yeah, it's like they kind of got used to just even kind of just blending their uh, genres together. I think that's why Lucio Fulce is just so brilliant with his Seven Doors of Death trilogy, because it's like, it's like they pretty much were just whatever they wanted. It's getting mixed together one way or the other.
3: Yep. <laughs> Yeah, Bruno Mattai was uh, always very guilty of that as well. Oh, yeah. And oh.
2: <laughs> and because he did so many hackneyed movies, you don't really... Do you even really believe what he says when he's like, I had nothing to do with that movie? I'm like, well, uh, do you, can you even tell any of these movies apart? You, know? <laughs> you, you claimed you didn't work on this other, you know, uh, cash in on, you know, Romero's zombies, but, I mean... I can't tell it apart from your other zombie movie that you did do. So it's like, yeah, it's like, well, he
3: had so many fake names. I mean, he directed under like four or five different pseudonyms. Um, Obviously, what, you know, after his death or even before his death, actually, it came out which movies were his were actually his. But, yeah, he had like four pseudonyms, you know, besides his actual name that he used.
2: Right. There's even like two different books that claim he worked on this movie that he claimed he didn't work on. And I'm like, well, 200 people say you did. So (laughs) you just did too much pot after possibly, I mean, you know, the starlet and telling the cameraman what you want in the shot for tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Um, But yeah, it it is kind of fun how all these shows end up making you check out some of these movies and see which ones you legit actually love and which ones are just like, oh, well. uh. This is Amusing Trash,
3: or, well, oh, can't do that one again.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, I mean... (laughs) Too much
3: for the (laughs) Blu-ray. I still say This Island Earth is one of the best movies they've ever riffed. I mean, in and of itself, that movie is great. Obviously, in 2021, it maybe doesn't hold up as well, but that movie was a blockbuster when it came out. It was was an actual summer blockbuster, and um i think you know, even it, in the trailer themselves like they were even like it even
2: lampooned all the blockbusters that were coming out at that time they're like this uh-huh. summer blockbusters get a different name or something like that <laughs> it was like yeah it was like we're talking about 50s movies that pretty much before star wars you know was like made the whole phenomenon that what it what it was is like it didn't matter if the dialogue wasn't perfect it's like you're gonna have a mystery adventure and then you know, a flying saucer. You know, or travel. And it's hey? like, and yeah, it's totally H. G. Wells, uh, Isaac Asimov inspired. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'll take
3: that with a grain of
2: salt. Right. <laughs> Obviously, it can't be Forbidden Planet, but it's basically cool. yeah. It was a, it was like around a, I think it was the same year as Day the Earth Stood Still. So yeah, it's like this is when sci-fi was getting way more uh, experimental. And so it's like huh. yeah. And I know Joe Dante who's a huge uh, fan of that movie. And he's like, I did not like what they did with that. And he's like, in all fairness, Universal stripped down the movie. They didn't have anything to do with stripping it
3: down. So Yeah, no, that's valid. I mean, obviously I can see how some people would have an emotional connection with some of these movies. And then they watch, you know, the, the Mystery Science Theater guys kind of, you know, tear it apart. And they're going to take it personally. Um, it's kind of funny how it's always fans that i hear about it's rarely the filmmaker i know you you brought up a couple of examples earlier which were totally new to me but yeah um it's so rare or should i say like i said my original point about being attached to it i i could probably see somebody um like Say someone who grew up in the 50s and 60s and loved Reptilicus, you know, Mm -hmm. and then they watch it in 2020 with Jonah Ray ripping it apart and, you know, maybe they take it a little personal because it's a piece of their childhood, a piece of nostalgia that someone uh, isn't a part of that time period is now ripping apart. So I I can see that. I mean, I... It, it's always upsetting when I hear people get upset because of a riff, because ultimately a riff is exactly that, folks. It's parody. It's comedy. Not one word that Mike uh, or any of the guys have ever said has been, you know, serious, 100 percent serious. It's comedy. It's levity. You're supposed to enjoy yourself. So right. it, it does suck that some people get upset about it. But how can you get upset with this island earth? I, I,
0: God, Even some riffs people are so timeless.
3: Timeless, and there's even
2: some people who get annoyed. Like you can tell they were watching the show, but didn't realize they were watching a show. They thought you were watching a movie show. They're like, Ah, oh, sure, where's those robots in the corner? But shut up. I'm like, Yeah, Jesus. I've heard that
3: complaint a lot. Like when I first started watching it in the mid '90s, um, and you would <laughs> mention it. Yeah, people would be like, Oh yeah, I turned into that once, and I I didn't realize what was going on. I just wanted to watch the movie. Blah blah blah. And it's like, Ah, well, too bad. <laughs>
2: Is. <laughs> uh, what did you think about the time travelers, especially with that one of those earlier riffs they make um uh where they're like, why would you expect a good movie from Charles Band?"
3: <laughs> oh yeah, that that yeah. very valid point.
2: It's been a it while It is so, it is one, so funny though. Uh-huh. <laughs> Cause I would I would almost expect him to even he's licensed a bunch of his movies to riff tracks and even Elvira in the past, and he doesn't care. He's like, hey. <laughs> It's a goofy movie, you bought it, but it would be so funny if he decided I'm just gonna remake every other movie that's aired on MST.
0: <laughs>
2: but yeah, that that's a very goofy movie where it's like you can watch it, but you're like not exactly sure what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Everyone here is definitely pretty goofy. <laughs> Robert hey, some son, of the best Christopher.
3: movies ever don't make sense, so that's valid. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, can't say you got every Orson Welles movie in one watch, so yeah. <laughs> yeah <that's it. laughs> the Beast of Hollow Mountain was kind of an interesting predicament, because basically that had so many just kind of genres thrown into one
3: mm-hmm. uh, basket. That was, the, yeah, that movie was a mess. Absolute mess. Effects, acting, dialogue, right. just in general a mess. The so a
2: western, and then it becomes a, you know, prehistoric movie yeah
3: like it tonally it's all over the place (laughs) (laughs) i can't believe i'm talking about the tone of an mst film but yeah there you go right
2: (laughs) guy madison i would have thought he kind of had a bigger deal but yeah he's just a cowboy actor who's been around forever and eventually (laughs) when he's not on devil's island or fighting the incas he's fighting dinosaurs (laughs) (laughs) Dinosaurs. dinosaurus man oh so good and that movie's kind of interesting too because like they get to even play into the whole uh uh, just sexual tension in the room that's inevitable in these kinds of movies as well as the scenery and uh mexican stereotypes
3: (laughs) (laughs) oh man Oh, man, so many stereotypes in some of these movies. I mean, you have to take these movies with a grain of salt and know that, you know, they're products of their times.
0: Right. You know, you
3: can't watch Castle of Fu Manchu and get mad at Christopher Lee. I mean, he probably had a smile on his face the whole production, having <laughs> right. a
5: blast.
3: Hey, I'm a Chinaman, look. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I understand, you know, cultural sensitivity and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, these are these are time capsules, guys. Take it for what it was, when it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I understand canceling stuff. I mean, it sucks that I can't watch Song of the South anymore, but I understand why I can't watch Song of the South anymore. So, right, like, I'm not gonna <laughs> bitch too much about it, but it's still a shame. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like you say, it gets
2: very old when, uh, you you have uh, movies that you already knew were kind of politically incorrect. So it's just like, uh, but but it it's even harder when you see people online talking, You can't. it's like, okay, who's the neo-Nazi who doesn't want to get canceled, and who's the one who, you know, legit just has always found this movie bottom of the barrel, you know, it just wants it removed from society, and then there are other ones where it's like, okay, I think everyone just needs to take a chill pill, and it's like, yeah, this movie is bad, but there's so many other reasons why it's bad before we even get to the whole, you know, routine of man, you know, the guy's treating every woman like a cheap slut or, uh-huh. uh, like you say, or this is a technically a homophobic movie, or if, yeah, it's like, this movie kind of has a whole jingoistic nature to it when you take away the whole, you know, shootouts. Yeah. And so it's like, you just can't win. And almost all the old school guys who are in movies nowadays are going to have a movie that's basically, it's funny how they don't get complained about, but any other movie is like, yeah they're doing something wrong it's like well in all <laughs> fairness they do even worse miscastings than us nowadays does anyone even remember that awful peter pan movie that came out in like 2015 <laughs> i'm trying not to <laughs> um, but that was a perfect example of just total miscasting It's like i think uh, that this show makes us realize just how many of today's blockbusters are even more unbearable because i mean they're that's why when they did batman versus superman is like Mike respected Trace and Frank's wishes. He's like, okay, I get that you don't want to suffer for all free hours of this, so we're going to just have you riff individual scenes because we're getting tired of this movie, too. <laughs> so it is kind of funny how it's like, Trace and Frank would always say that. like, we'll riff older movies because don't have to worry about rights, and sure. the people who are in them are dead, so they can't get offended, and they're not free hours like every other movie nowadays. So it's like, yeah. It was like, I think that's the biggest issue with today's movies is they kind of really are painful because you know what they're capable of. And so whenever you hear about all any behind the scenes drama, which has often just stuff that you've heard about for years, but it was always broken to after the fact years later, it was pretty hush hush on a film set. And here is like, we all the minute we hear about any actor being fired from a TV show for, you know, a drunken insult or a producer overriding a director and dismissing them is like a movie uh, a project is dead in the water by that point and it just sucks because it's, it's hysterical as it kind of used to be it is like now is like man but for 30 million what did they spend it on and so i think that's just it. we're so conscious of what our peers think of what rotten tomatoes thinks of what <sighs> what we've heard about other people say to yeah. where it's like, it, it really does even take probably five years when like a movie resurfaces on like Netflix or TNT nowadays for us to say, you know, what was the big deal about this movie? Or, Oh, now I see why I never saw it. It's like, now I think we just don't have as much fun. So that's kind of why these Blu-ray companies have just snapped into action and just like remastered just stuff that would have been on a videotronic guide back in the day. And mm-hmm. I think that's just kind of the main life force of Blu ray for now. Everyone just wants to go back to older stuff instead of just embrace newer stuff that's just not a hundred percent.
1: And Sure.
2: Um Going back to Avalanche, that was interesting too, 'cause like it's like that was just reminding me of just almost all the, you know, uh disaster movies that are still a spectacle today. You know, always oh, yeah. happens since the 70s and it's like that one was just coming in late to the bunch and roger Corman just kind of wanted to get on the Irvin, still some Irwin allen's you know box office draw and it's like but the plot is like boy howdy i mean Corey allen pretty established actor from uh oh, what's the movie rebel without a cause you know he's oh, yeah. the kid in the car and to become then an established tv director and writer and Uh, on star trek of all shows and he's like man this is not his finest hour as a director slash writer and (laughs) i will say they do miss out all seasons do miss out on making fun of certain actors that are in this was like yeah they didn't i would have thought they'd sneak in a robert forster reference but i guess they just figured hey you know this is a typical person we're used to seeing in these kinds of movies (laughs) oh man uh what did you think about the love of Hercules? Cause it's like, this is kind of a film history lesson. It's like, this is practically the movie where uh, Mickey Hargitay and James Mansfield, you know met. <laughs> oh, right. Right. And it's just so funny. You got just the fakest looking dragon, you know, just an animatronic. Oh, God, it was fake awful. back then. And it's fake now, but it is really funny how Mickey is like, is basically essentially early Van Damme in this and Jane, you know, just kind of makes you remind you of how she was basically based her career on Marilyn Monroe, you know. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. And so who played Hercules in that one? I know there was, we had multiple Mickey Harkate. Harkate, oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, they
2: they became husband and wife later later, but yeah, right. it was like I did love how they went through. Uh, yeah, so many of the Steve Reeves ones like that was a great introduction <laughs> for those kinds of movies. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, easily my
2: favorite Hercules. <laughs> totally. And, you know, admit, I used to have a DVD set that had various of those Italian Hercules movies. And at one point, one of them was essentially a Robin Hood movie, but it was called Hercules. And it was a very confusing <laughs> romp. And I was like, man, why wasn't this on the show?
3: Um, yeah, that's just like uh, Godzilla movies in Germany. For some reason, in Germany, they call Godzilla Frankenstein. Yeah, you actually find uh, Godzilla movies, uh, but with a, you know, Frankenstein versus the sea monster or something. I don't know why Germany. They're the only country that did it. But yeah, I, I guess they didn't have a word for Godzilla. <laughs> Godzilla. Godzilla.
2: Yeah, It really is. does get confusing after a while. And it kind of makes it easier to even socialize with certain people who, you know, have always known these movies under different names. So it's like, yeah, yep. here... We got the cut up versions, so we don't know what the hell went on in what movie.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly. I didn't know for years. I I didn't realize Ebra Horror of the Deep was actually a Godzilla versus the Sea Monster. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. I saw I saw it as Godzilla versus the Sea Monster, and then I'm looking at HBO Max one day, and it's there under Ebra, and I'm like, that looks like the Sea Monster because it looks like a giant lobster. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I I can see why different titles in different regions could definitely uh you know mess you up. and um are you looking forward
2: to their upcoming uh amityville riff
0: um
3: kind of i i i have a cautious optimism optimism. i've never seen the film i'm purposely not going to watch it um (laughs) but yeah i i I definitely because i do enjoy when the riff tracks guys kind of tackle more modern horror the last slumber party um the Dentist, stuff like that. Uh, so, right. I mean, even though this isn't the Rift Tracks, guys, I understand that. You know, And Joel, uh, everything leads back to Joel Hodgson. So, obviously, I, I will give him credit as the godfather of all of this. And, yeah, if Joel's involved and they're doing, um, you know, the, t- the movies that they're doing. I mean, because they're talking about doing a, a Christmas special as well. So, yeah, I'm very excited. And, yeah, I wouldn't have given him my money if I wasn't excited. and i want my free poster damn it (laughs) right
2: oh man well thank you ever so much for being on here and uh any other plugs for your podcast please oh man
3: how much time you got (laughs) way Uh, too many shows in my vernacular let's just say that um under the no more room in hell Uh, Banner. We have three podcasts, Uh, the main show, No More Room in Hell. We have Fresh Cuts, which is the weekly show where we look at the newest genre releases Mm -hmm. of that week. And then the newest venture is called Creature Comforts, where we're going to be concentrating on classic creature features. (laughs) So uh, that'll be coming soon. If you subscribe to No More Room in Hell, you'll get all three shows. So look out for those. Once again, Mm -hmm. that's all Dark Discussions. Podcasts network, and as far as Legion podcast, uh, yeah, underwater kaiju from outer space. Uh, we've done about 25 episodes of that with Jerry Herring, Donna Nelly, and Mr. Derek B from Cinema Attack. Oh, uh,
0: yeah.
3: and and like I said, we're going to be doing our return episode, uh, probably the beginning of October. And should be out shortly after that, where we're going to look at Godzilla versus Destoroyah, which is uh, actually my favorite Godzilla movie ever. So that'll there be fun. There you
1: go.
2: Cool. Gojero <laughs> Giroga time. Thank you ever so much for being on here. and
3: You know it. You're welcome
2: back anytime. Uh, <laughs> just a non-stop recording session every day awesome. off.
3: <laughs> yeah yeah thank you so much for having me this was like i said this was the first opportunity i had to talk about mst on a podcast and this was an absolute joy so yeah i look forward to chatting with you again buddy absolutely thank you sir
7: <laughs> we'll return after these messages
2: hey feeling down feeling low not enough podcasts about movies in your life why not try? They
0: must be destroyed on site!
2: The new podcast cure all, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti
3: westerns, we even have sci fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of
0: They must be destroyed on site!
3: as needed, and let the
2: hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails You.
4: Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin cough, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocers itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening.
5: Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? (laughs) Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag and PJ picks one out at random. Mm -hmm. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Nah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yeah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers. Yes. The Google Play. Yes. Apple Podcasts. What else? Podbean. What else? Podcast Addict. Goddamn. All that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere. Worldwide, baby. Hustle motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah. We gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say, Ah. F- ah. F- ah. F- ah. F- ah. F- all that good <laughs> fun stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> You. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't run the listeners away, Pete. ah I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. Yeah, so we'll go end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace.
6: As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me.
0: If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, and what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the Mixtape of Movies.
1: Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, oh, necrophilia. Ah, oh, uh, yep. oh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this <laughs> No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, Croods. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you.
5: It's late, it's time, let's check
0: our cue, baby Pair it with a couple
1: brooks, baby We love good movies We love the bad ones, too so we watch them all and pass their ooh, lessons on to you. Ooh, oh yeah! Ban ban up, ban out.
5: Everything I learned from movies helps to make life a little bit groovy. with a one-liners, black holes, a gratuitous boobies. It's time to get
0: busy with your friend Steven Isenberg.
5: At EILFM.podbean.com.
7: Welcome to Who Was She Podcast. I am your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast. Who Was She? will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminov. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith. Her father invented the universal language Esperanto, and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others, connect across borders, and inspire a biography which inspired this podcast? Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenoff, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier, Fritz Mako, who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. I want to thank the author, Wendy Heller, and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, the life of Lydia Zeminoff, daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Redd. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zeminoff.
6: Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant, two podcasts. One is the MacGyver Podcast, where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson, his iconic roles, and how it's influenced our lives. There's episode discussions, interviews, and life conversations. The second podcast is the Never Gets Old Podcast, where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life, from TV, movies, music, and comics. The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 Audio Series, an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today and thanks for joining the adventure.
4: Are you sick of the same old stale podcast? Well, then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VDClinicPod. Join them on Facebook at com slash groups slash VDClinicPod or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com they're ready to cure what ails you (laughs) and still it just might be a little contagious see a doctor
7: hi there it's heather from the watching netflix without you podcast did you know that there are over 1200 netflix original feature films and documentaries And that number is only growing. So I've made it my mission to watch as many as I possibly can. Then, with a delightful guest or guests, disclaimer, more often than not my brother Ryan, we spend an episode rating, reviewing, and discussing a film at length. The first half of every episode is spoiler-free for those who haven't seen it yet. And in the second half, after a very clear spoiler warning, we dive into it. And that's really about it. You can listen to watching Netflix without you on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more.
0: We now continue with our program.